0: Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, we have been on this topic for several weeks, but it's kind of a a growing topic and I'll show you what I mean, Uh, some of you are already there, but I want you to look at some things and we'll spend about two or three minutes in review and then we're just going to jump right into the the new material tonight, I want to get through all of this that I can Romans chapter 12 look at verse number two and be not conformed to this world I want you to notice the word conformed but be transformed now the next statement is the key by the renewing of your mind they you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, look at me for a second. We're going to review, and then we're going to jump to the verses that I'm going to teach from tonight. God tells us that He does not want us conformed to the world. That word conformed means being in agreement with, to look like, to act like, to associate with, it means not being like the world. And then He says, I want you to be transformed. Now, when God uses the word transformed, it's not like what the world says today. The word transform is a Greek word that means metamorphosis. Just like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it's changing from one life form into another. So when you go from being lost to being a Christian, there's to be a transformation. And how do we do this? Look at verse number two again. By the renewing of your mind. Now look at me. Let's use some godly Bible logic. If you transform by the renewing of your mind, that means that A, being conformed to the world is a mindset. To get out of that mindset, you have to change the way you think, to think differently so that you can be transformed. And it's very simple, very basic. That's one reason I don't like contemporary churches. They're not transformed. They're conformed. When we bring the devil's music and the world's music and the world's dress styles and the world's standards and we bring all the things from the world into the church, the church no longer is a church it is not a called out assembly. It is an assembly. It is a general assembly, but it's not like what God wanted. It's too conformed to the world. When we go around asking what people want in a church and then try to build a church based on what they want. Now, hang on. God says, he wants us to be renewed by the transforming, the renewing of our mind. Now watch this. God also never gives us a command without giving us the ability to obey the command. Never. Yes, sir. There's nothing God asks you to do that you cannot do. And he also gives us the wherewithal in the word of God to show us how. So not only does he give us the, the wherewithal, but he gives us the, the knowledge and the wisdom and the how to in the Word of God. Now, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through the end of the ver- chapter, and all of chapter 13 are simply how to renew our mind. If you go back a couple of weeks, we talked about the first few verses, and it talks about us, how we think about ourselves not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think then we got to the part about love and love is not what it does for me it's what I can do for somebody else uh, being kindly affectioned with brotherly love uh, that's not a marriage love that is a brotherly love that doesn't mean beating the tar out of each other either but uh, it, it talks about a brotherly love then Last week we went through several verses about our work ethic and business and we got into distributing to the necessities of the saints and uh, all those different things here. Now, tonight I want to help you with something. Look at uh, uh, verse number 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless them and curse not. Hmm. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Now, tonight we're going to talk about several of these things here in verses 13 through 16. And I'm just going to jump right in. Number one, we are to be helpful, not welfare. We're to be helpful, not welfare. Notice what it says. Distributing to the, what's the next word? Necessity of saints. Now, look at me for a second. (laughs) Filet mignon and lobster are not necessities. Uh, new cars every three years are not necessities. Everybody doing okay? Having a more expensive house is not a necessity. It amazes me in America, Brother Jim, back in your era, a couple started off in what they called a starter house. It was about a four-room house. You had one bedroom, one bath, a kitchen, and maybe a living room. Maybe if you were really rich, you got a second bedroom. Yeah. And then you had a kid or two, and by then you had enough saved up to sell that house to somebody else who just starting out so you could get just a little bigger one. Now, people my age, they get their kids out of the house, so what do they do? They sell it and buy something that nobody lives in. We buy houses that are so big. Did you know that people grew up in America and didn't have their own bedrooms? (laughs) Unless they were a single child. Or unless their brothers and sisters moved out because they grew up. (laughs) I shared a room with my brother my whole life till he left to go get married. I was 16 years old before I had a room by myself. I almost didn't know what to do. I really didn't. I was like, this is weird. (laughs) and It was. You say, but but everybody's got to have their own room. Says who? You see, (laughs) there was a day where you didn't have that. Shoot. There was a day where if you had more than a one-room house, you were doing good. There was a day everybody slept on the same bed. You say, but preach! I'm glad I don't live in that day, amen? Amen. I'm, I'm thankful for the day in which I live. But let me tell you something. Americans are going so in debt for a house that's bigger and better that now mom and dad both have to work to pay for it and nobody's there to live in it. i've said it before i'm going to say it again if you make 40 or 50 thousand dollars you can live comfortable i didn't say you're going to live high in the hog but you can live comfortable see but preacher i didn't say you're going to live in a 700 and 800 thousand dollar house but you're going to live comfortable everybody doing okay say how do you know i've been doing a long time You see, you have to understand something. Uh, there's, There's a word here that God says, distributing to the necessity of the saints. God wants us to help fellow Christians by employing them to get their needs met. Not welfare. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Now, go back to Acts chapter 20 for a second. Acts chapter 20, verse number 34. Acts chapter 20, verse number 34. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. The apostle Paul is being talked about here and he was praising the church here and said, look, Uh, you, you've, you've helped us as we did the work here. You took care of our necessities. Well, what does God say are necessities food and clothing and shelter? That's what God says is a necessity. He didn't say internet. He didn't say cell phones. He didn't say, uh, cable TV. He didn't say new cars, food, shelter, and clothing. We put so much, I wonder how much money we waste on things that are not necessities. The, the economy is turning. When gas goes up a quarter overnight, everybody squawks a little. Some of you are panicking because you don't have enough, uh, enough check left at the end of the month. Say why? Because we live too luxuriously, we don't put anything aside. By the way, I want you to notice God says distributing to the necessity of the saints. <sighs> From time to time as pastor, I try to help people in our church, but I don't pay their bills. Uh, <laughs> I don't pay everybody's bills. And even if I do help them with a bill, I won't pay the whole thing. You got to have some skin in the game. Everybody doing all right. I'm not for welfare. Welfare. I love the statement, I'm for a hand up but not a hand out. This is why we shouldn't look at prayer in God as an endless bank account. God is not an ATM that you punch your number in and he gives you what you want. Everybody doing okay? Uh, I believe in helping people. But at the same time, sometimes it's I'll help you if you can help me with something. There's been times I've asked people to employ somebody and say, hey, look, can you get this person busy? Oh, sure, I got some. Good. You don't know that I've helped them and uh, got them some food or got them some money or something, but I want them to work for it. You say, preacher, I don't think you ought to give your kids everything. Now, by that I don't mean I don't think a, a five-year-old has to earn his money to pay for his clothes. <laughs> I don't think a 10-year-old's got to pay their medical bills. Come on. That's what a parent is for. That's what we're here for. But they're extras. Uh, They're camp money. Make them earn it. They're going to go on activities or something. Make them earn it. Uh, I was 13 years old. I was going to go to Mexico. (laughs) Now, this is a long time ago. It was a missions trip. going to cost me $325. Shut up. (laughs) Now, that was back in 19... 1980. 1980. But it was the summer of 79 when I started working for it. Uh, try at age 12 and 13 at that time to earn $300. When you, On a good day, if you mowed somebody's grass, you got five bucks. That was if you really did a good job. I mean, that's when... You know, somebody gave you a five-dollar bill, man. I thought I was the richest person in town. Do you know how many five-dollar bills it takes to pay that? And that's just to pay the bill to get there. That wasn't any spending money. My dad said, You want to go, earn your way. I worked and 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 I paid my way. Now, <laughs> by the way, I'm glad my dad had me do that because that's the summer i surrendered to preach and i started preaching my dad taught me more character by doing that he didn't just give it to me that wasn't a necessity everybody doing okay say but that was something they wanted yeah it was something i wanted and i gave up a lot of what i did want that wasn't as more important (laughs) i didn't get extra things i put it in the bank for the trip to mexico I saved up by the time I was 16. When I was 12, my brother started driving. My dad says, you want to drive when you're 16? I said, yes, sir. He said, good, buy your own car. Not only going to Mexico, now I've got to save money for a car. My first car. I was 15 within a month of being 16. 1966, Mercury Comet. Midnight blue. Ooh, yeah, sweet little ride. Two eighty nine. Nice little car. My brother had to go, my dad had to drop us off, and my brother had to drive the stupid thing home because I wasn't allowed to drive it. I was mad. My brother got to drive my car before I did. I was mad. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. You know, that car meant something to me because I paid for it. My dad said, how much do you want to drive it? I said, as much as I can. He said, good, as long as you put gas in the tank, you can drive it and pay your insurance. The work didn't stop. It increased. Uh, That's what God's talking about here. You see, uh, we're not to do everything for everybody. May I help you parents teach your children to work at home? Now, I believe parents are supposed to do things for their children. Don't get me wrong. But part of the reason kids graduate from high school and go different places and they have to bring their laundry home is because mommy didn't teach them how to do their laundry. I can do laundry. I don't like doing it, but I can. I can cook. I can iron. I can do all those things. Matter of fact, when I was in college, I learned how to cook on an iron. (sighs) You put, take the steam off on that thing, turn it upside down, put foil on it, and you can make just about anything you want on that thing. It works. Man, college students are creative when we have to be, amen? Put a couple of books here, a couple of books there, put that thing on there. You can fry eggs, you can do anything. When you're hungry, you figure it out, amen? Now, uh, I believe parents ought to teach their children to l- do life skills, One of the things Brother Anthony and I and my wife and today Joe from uh, ACE were talking about is teaching life in our schools. Teaching life skills. Nothing's done by accident in our school. You say, why? Because I want them to learn how to get through life. (sighs) Here it comes. Boys and girls, you're going to hate your preacher for a minute, but that's okay. I love you anyway. (laughs) Children need to make their beds, not mommies and daddies. Children need to learn to put their clothes away, not mommy doing it all. Children need to do laundry. Children need to learn how to run the vacuum cleaner. They need to learn how to dust, mop, cook, and clean bathrooms and toilets. You're looking at a man that's not afraid of cleaning toilets. I've done many of them. You ask my wife when she starts working in the school full time. There's things I'll do because she's not at home as much. That while she was home and I was working, she would do. Since she's going to be working, I'll be doing some of those things. You say, "Why, preacher? That's her job." Says who? I live there too. If she's going to contribute by working, I ought to contribute to help her. <laughs> I vacuumed and dusted. I did some other things recently, uh, and while she, and that was, she was just getting things set up for school. Why do we do that? Because that's what teamwork is. Boy, that's good stuff. That's why Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child. It doesn't say teach a child. Did you know more people in America train their animals better than they do their children? God says train up. He didn't say teach up. Well, I told them. Yeah, you told them, but you didn't do it either. From the time my kids could walk, they were putting laundry in a basket. From the time they could, my wife could hold them up and the basket at the same time, they were helping to scoop it out of the basket into the laundry. They didn't know what they were doing, but can I help? (laughs) By the way, when my second child went to boot camp, his drill instructor the first week said, your mama taught you how to make a bed. Now, that's the kid that... He wouldn't sleep under the cover so he didn't have to mess up the bed. <laughs> I'm not kidding either. My wife's back there going, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Brother Jim's over here. Come on. <laughs> but he learned how to make a bed. He learned how to iron. He learned how to... By the time my kids were teenagers, they had to do their own laundry or they wore dirty clothes. If they wanted to go through scratching and sniffing to see what was clean and not, that's their problem, but it wasn't going to lay it on the floor or under the bed hide that stuff. Now, if you want to live like a pig and have to sniff it to see if it's dirty or clean, be a pig, but it's not going to happen under my watch. be doing all right? Man, I'm having fun. Glory to God. God says we're to help the saints. That's church members. That's not people who have done miracles. Uh... Religion has turned the word saint into an idol. Saints are saved people who died or are just older saved people. You who are saved are the saints, according to the scriptures. When the saints go marching in, mm -hmm, that's the black song, amen. uh, Can I tell you something? They got it right. That's the scriptural word. Saint means someone who's been saved. It's not St. Christopher and St. John the Baptist Catholic. It's not St. John Bosco or uh, who's the Mother Teresa or whatever uh, her name was. Those aren't the saints. The saints are anybody that's been saved. Boy, that's good stuff. But I want you to notice the last part of that. Given to hospitality. (laughs) That means showing kindness to strangers. So not only are we to distribute and help employ and help teach and train people how to work for what they need, we're also supposed to be given to hospitality, which is how we treat strangers. You know, we're supposed to teach our children how to to treat strangers, how to act around them, how to, uh, at church, we ought to be friendly to people. I don't have to teach much on that, but uh, it's how we care for our visitors here at Grace Baptist Church. My wife helps oversee a group of ladies that we have what we call the hospitality ministry. And there's a group of ladies that every so often they make goodies and put them in bags and stuff. And when visitors come, they all get a bag of goodies when they when they come. And <laughs> y'all are bringing so many visitors, we got to up the ante here lately, and that's good. But we call it the hospitality ministry because it's uh it's how we... Dist- By the way, there's been preachers who have visited our church that you all have done that for. They've gone back and started doing that in their church. You say, why? <laughs> because they know what it meant to them. They got to eat cookies on the way home back to the hotel, amen? Uh, the word hospitality... Uh, Means how we treat strangers. Uh, Let's not be guilty of being rude. Let's not be guilty, Uh, okay, we just put two more parking spots in there for the handicap. Let's not, well, somebody took my parking spot. Well, go park somewhere else. You'll be okay. Take my spot. It's way down at the end. I told Brother Anthony before he came here, I said, you'll notice there's no sign out here where the preacher parks. I said, I'm parking about as far away as I can park most of the time. I want our people to park close. I can walk. till I can't walk, I'm parking far away. Now, I've been to churches. First spot right by the door is the pastor, then the assistant pastor, then the secretary. And, it's, and it drives me nuts. I'm thinking... Bruh. So, well, that's the way it's done in the world. That's why we're not doing it here. Amen. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I gotta hurry. Number two. That was just number one. Number two. God wants us to think differently about our enemies and people who oppose us. I love you. Look at verse number 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. That's not just talking about cussing either. Uh, That cursing is that nasty attitude. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to make a couple statements here in just a moment that might surprise you. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse number 9. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus preaching. He starts preaching in verse number 1, what you call the Beatitudes. But look at verse number 9. Blessed are the what? Peace. Peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Now watch this. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now I want you to notice those are some pretty strong words from Jesus, aren't they? Skip down to verse 43. He's reviewing his points. Amen. And he comes to verse 43 and he says, "Ye have heard it, uh, that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you, that they may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, that word perfect meaning mature, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now look at me. That's getting a little stronger. Skip to uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Look at verse number 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If you have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Now look at me. Jesus said, don't you remember what I said in Matthew chapter 5? If they hated me, they're going to hate you. You have to understand something. This is the one that might hurt. God does not say if you're persecuted. He said when. If you're living for the Lord and not being persecuted from time to time, you might want to check how you're living. <laughs> Preacher, do you have any enemies? <laughs> no. You ought to hear some of the things I, I get accused of saying and doing and everything else. It's all right. Say, what do you do, preacher? I just keep doing good. Listen to this statement. Living for the truth will bring persecution. And the closer we get to the end times, the more persecution will come. For me to get up and preach against the alphabet soup crowd, the sodomites and the weirdos and the wokeism of today, gets a lot of people upset. I don't really care. God's happy. That's all that matters. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. The devil's mad and I am glad. He lost the soul he thought he had. Well, when the devil's mad, I'm glad. The persecution may come. But may I say something, that means you're going the right direction. When everything's going fine and there's no ruffling of the feathers, oh, I just want peace. No, you want tranquility. There is a difference between peace and tranquility. Tranquility means there's nothing moving. Peace is a result of war. Peace is a result of battle and somebody... Whip the snot out of somebody else. We don't sign a tranquility agreement at the end of a war. They sign a peace agreement. Say why? Because they're afraid we're going to drop another bomb. Japan. <laughs> say after two bombs they were ready to say okay we're done. Because we had three more en route to Tokyo. Tokyo. Now, hang on for a second here. God does not want us to react. He wants us to act right, no matter what others say or do. May we be Christians who do not react to the world and to persecution. May we be Christians who act under pressure, not react under pressure. Well, preacher, I, I, I just have a short fuse. Don't keep it by the candle. Some of you have a short fuse and you hold the match lit in your hand. Everybody doing okay? Your fuse isn't any shorter than anybody else's. You just like watching it explode. Don't you think I get upset from time to time? But I don't show it. Say, why? (laughs) Because it's not going to help anything. I'm not supposed to act that way. Now, I might go alone and pound sand for a while. Get, get it out with me and the Lord for a bit. And then he whips me back in shape and on we go. I don't always feel like being nice to people that aren't nice to me. Believe me. Let's not respond like our attackers and be as guilty of attacking the attackers as they are of attacking us. When you condescend to be like those who are attacking you, you are no better than they are. Well, they yelled first. So? Do you know it takes more energy to stop something than it does to get it going? Let me show you what I mean. If two or three of you men got a car, put it in neutral, and started pushing it down the driveway and got that thing to 10 miles an hour... One or two guys could do that. How many of you are going to stand in front of it while it's going 10 miles an hour and try to stop it? It takes more strength to stop something. Yeah. It takes more strength to stop it than it does to get it going. It takes more character not to lose your temper than it does to lose your temper. It takes more character to bless somebody that's cursing you than it does to give it back at them. I didn't say it. God did. Don't get mad at me. But he said, bless them which persecute you. Recently, I had to make a decision. Somebody that I care about is going through a tough time. But I believed that my presence would cost that person some opposition and me some persecution. So I could not express my love. But I will do so privately through a letter later. Let the heat of the situation calm and say, I've been praying for you. Here's something nice. Say, well, it shouldn't ma- it might not matter, but when you're the center of potential chaos, it's better not to stir the pot. Am I doing okay? Uh, it's not that I don't want to, and it grieves me that I can't. But I've chosen the higher route. So that's what I'll do. Number 3. Here we go. <laughs> Look at verse 16. Well, look at verse 15, I'm sorry. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? We need to rejoice when others get good things and not have this thought. How come they got it and I didn't? That's not fair. When do I get mine? (laughs) May I say this on God's behalf? That's being a selfish little brat. <laughs> I had a pastor just two weeks ago called me. and said, Preacher. He said, somebody came by the church and handed the church a $20,000 check. I said, praise the Lord. I said, I'm excited for you. I said, did you give him my address? No. <laughs> and he's in a distant state. And I said, God is blessing you and your faithfulness and the faithfulness of your people. God's just blessing you, and I'm so excited. Not one time, honestly, did I think, how come we didn't get it? We've gotten those checks. God's been good to us. It's time to rejoice when somebody else gets those blessings. Not sit there and wonder, well, why did I not get it? When somebody gets a new vehicle, let's rejoice with them, not say, well, who do you think they are? Well, they've managed their money well enough to be able to do it. Don't worry about it. Rejoice with them. Don't hit it. (laughs) May I say something? Some people get things that I don't like, but they're happy about it, so I'll rejoice with them. You know, a guy could buy a Chevy and be happy, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'll be happy for him that he bought it. <laughs> hey man, Brother Jim, you might even buy a Plymouth. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, they don't have to have something that I like to rejoice with them. If they like it, I can rejoice with them. I'll be at a stand-up funeral, I mean a wedding, on Saturday for uh, Nathan Dorsey. Now, I'm truly excited for him, but I don't want to get married again. I'm married and I'm done. Everybody doing all right? But I'm truly rejoicing with him. His wife passed away three years ago. He's still fairly young. He's only two years younger than me. Ha, ha, ha. But uh, he, he's, he's still fairly young. He's got a lot of life left. He could be married another 20 years to, her, uh, to this current wife and, or more. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't mean that I'm hoping my wife dies to go get another one. No, I like the one I got picked right the first time and don't need to worry about it. Everybody doing okay? But I can rejoice with him. Amen. Boy, that's good stuff. Well, I don't know why they're so happy. I don't like that. They didn't get it for you. They got it for them. Quit complaining. I don't understand why they're so happy. Who cares? They're happy. Rejoice with them. Then God says, when weep with them that weep. When others hurt, hurt with them. Did you know that a child's hurts is real as an adult's hurt? I didn't say we coddle it. But we hurt with them. Yes, it hurts. Rub dirt on it. Let's go. Okay, uh, there was a time when the crying's over, time to quit crying, or I, as my father would say, I'll give you something to cry about. When you carry it out, now you're wanting attention, and we, we, we went too far. And they need to toughen up, but I'm talking about real hurts, real pains. Uh, listen to this statement very carefully here. What they're going through may not hurt you, but it hurt them. And if it hurt them, you ought to hurt that they're hurting. I didn't say you had to hurt about that which they're hurting. I hate seeing the people in our church hurt. That hurts me. But it doesn't mean, okay, I hate the fact that Miss Kim's two nephews died within 12 hours of each other. But it does not mean that it affected me like it affected her. But I know how much she hurt. That hurts me. I understand the hurt that Brother Wiley went through. More than anybody else in this room. And why he was hurting like he was and some of the things he was being treated wrongly about. And I hurt for him. <laughs> I'll miss Brother Roy, but he's in heaven. Why should I be upset about that? But I hurt for Brother Wiley because he hurts. Everybody doing okay? I'm not happy that Roy went to heaven. I'm happy he's in heaven. But I'm not happy he had to leave this way. Everybody doing okay? Okay. His death did not affect me the way it did Wiley, but I hurt because I hurt because Wiley hurts. Everybody doing okay? You see, it may not hurt you the way it hurts them, but because they're hurting, you need to hurt for them. My wife feels things and hurts differently than I do. No man ever hurts like any woman. Praise the Lord. We hurt far worse when our nose is stopped up. Uh, Now, wait a minute. Uh, My wife is very compassionate and tender. I'm a little bit more rugged, and we'll get through this thing, but I have to slow down and say, okay, you're hurting. She softens me so that I understand people are hurting. Not too awful long ago, one of the kids came in and said, Preacher, will you pray for my goldfish? It's sick. (laughs) He said, I'll pray for your goldfish. I didn't say how. I No. Uh, (laughs) Wait a minute. To them, that goldfish being sick was a hurt. And to them, that was no different than Miss Kim's hurt. It doesn't put it on the same plane for me, but their hurt was the same especially when it was swimming upside down. (laughs) When they start swimming in circles is when you really start worrying because it's gone. Anyway, uh, (laughs) the whirlpool of death, amen? Now, uh, (laughs) I was trying to code that, parents, amen? Uh, But a kid asking me to pray for their puppy dog or their goldfish or the kitty cat or whatever, I don't pray for cat. No, uh, but uh, I, I understand that hurt. Does it hurt me the same way? No, but I hurt for them. That's what God's talking about. Number next, and I'll finish real, real quickly here. Look at verse 16. This won't take long. I promise you two or three minutes. Be of the same mind one toward another. I want you to mark that statement in your Bible. But condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits. (laughs) God says not to cater to people's positions. God says don't look at somebody who's more important than somebody else. Can I tell you, nobody's more important than anybody else. My daddy taught me a long time ago, son, when you when you re- reach out and grab a man's hand, look him square in the eyeball, don't look up, don't look down, look him square square in the eyeball. He's no better than you are. Doesn't matter who it is, he puts his britches on the same way you do, one pant leg at a time. He's made out of flesh just like you. Don't look up at him, don't look down at one. You're no better than they are, they're no better than you are. I've been taught that my whole life. I've met a lot of important people. I've met a lot of powerful people. Just back in March, I was in Senator Manchin's office. Whether we like the personality or not, he's a powerful person. Say, how'd you greet him? Reached out my hand, looked him square in the eyeball. Greeted him kindly. We talked about the things that we did agree about. All three of them. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> thanked him for three stands that he took, honestly, The three stands he took did help our country. That's the only three he's ever taken. But anyway, uh, wait a minute. When he asked me about our church, I pulled out a gospel track and handed it to him. He said, oh, that's down by the hospice. That's the one that sits up on the hill, right? Yes, sir. He said, I know where it's at. I didn't know what to say after that. Now, wait a minute. Was I intimidated by Senator Manchin? No, but I respect his office, respect his position, but I don't treat him any more importantly than the poorest kid that walks through that door on a Sunday morning that jumps off the van. Everybody doing okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse number six. Let me read it to you. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse number six, Bible says this, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Too many people are people pleasers. Let me do this to please you so that I can get in good graces. Let me do this so I can get somebody's attention. Um, I don't think this is a bad term. If it is, I'll apologize in advance. God doesn't want anybody kissing up to anybody. Kissing up to people in power doesn't make you something. God has allowed me to be around great people. I don't understand it. But years ago, I was reading a verse, and I'll read it to you in just a moment here. And I understood what God had done for me. Proverbs eighteen sixteen says, A man's gift maketh room for him, and bringeth him before great men. Sometimes it's a gift that God gives certain people. I don't understand it. I don't ask to get around great people. God's just allowed me to be around great people. I was around Dr. Lee Robertson, Dr. Lester Roloff, Dr. Joe Boyd, Dr. Jack Hiles, Dr. Tom Malone, Dr. Tom Wallace. I've been around the, the great men, the great preachers of yesteryear, Dr. Bruce Cummins, Dr. Harold Henniger, I've been around some of those great men, but may I say something, I'm also around great men of our day, the Dr. Jeff Fugits and others, little guys in little country churches all over, dotted all over America that are doing a great job, Uh, a Pastor Kevin Arcola over in Blacksville, West Virginia, talk about a great man, that's Kevin Arcola, a Pastor Jacob Berry up in Maine, or Pastor Chris Doulard i got to get that God in there. Uh, you say, why? Uh, brother Barry has been out. A young man just graduated from college. He's just banging doors making it happen. He had three people join his church on Sunday. I said, brother, I'm happy for you. Uh, you say, how many did he have? He probably had 12, 15 people there, but he had three more join the church. He's been knocking doors 30, 40 hours a week. When's the last time you did something like that? Everybody doing okay? That's why I wasn't afraid to spend 150 bucks and we printed his church sign and put it up on his rented building for him. <laughs> Man, is it sharp? He's excited. His people saw that and went, wow. They're bringing people to church because of a stupid church sign. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wait a minute. <laughs> Great... <laughs> Uh, God has allowed me to be around great men, but I never pushed my way in to get to them. It just happened. You can ask my wife. I don't. Oh, I wonder how I could get close to that person and come up with a plan. I don't do it. I also am not to look at the men down at the rescue mission like a bunch of bums. I love preaching at the rescue mission. I make sure every year I preach there at least once. You say, why you'd be surprised how many of those men are professional men had good jobs. Some are pastors, some are doctors, lawyers, men who own their own businesses. They made some mistakes. Yes, they did. But for the grace of God, there go I. They're broken. Many of them had families, wives, children, people they loved. Now they've been disowned. Living in a rescue mission. I got done preaching the last time I was there. A man came up to me. He said, you know, this is the third time you preached here recently. I said, honestly, I don't remember how many times I've preached here, sir. He said, you're different. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're giving us something from the Bible. He said, you really care, don't you? I said, yes, sir. That's why we're here once a month. And somebody from my church will care the same way. He began to tell me how he used to be an assistant pastor in a church. Gave me his story. Tragic. You know I hurt for that fella? Don't judge people based on what you think they are. <laughs> Old Sam Walton used to wear his bib over holes and flannel shirt. He'd walk into a Walmart. He'd watch the workers and talk to them and he'd go from department to department to department in there and Eventually, he'd go to the counter and say, I want to talk to the manager. Some of them would say, well, what's your problem? I want to talk to the manager. man would come and say, may I help you? And he said, yes, sir, he said. And he'd begin to tell him some things about his Walmart store. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Every once in a while... Sam Walton would say, by the way, do you know who I am? They'd say, no. He'd pull out his wallet and he'd say, I'm Sam Walton. I own this store. Some lost their jobs that way. Some got promoted that way. Some got an You never know who you're talking to. Just because they don't appear to be something to you doesn't mean that to God they're not something special. Let's renew our minds according to the scripture. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Let's not be conformed to the world in our thinking. Let's be transformed by renewing our minds.